1: Hello, everyone. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct, you guys. Thanks for tuning in with me today. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah. I am your host of Killer Instinct. And if you are a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. Before we get started, I just want to remind you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button real quick. We post weekly episodes here every single Wednesday, and you are not going to want to miss it. Today, you guys. Today's case, we have another really, really twisted one. This is not one that I had ever heard of before researching it, and I was shocked the entire way through my research, and I'm sure you guys will be too throughout this episode. Today, we are talking about the murder of Jerry Michael Williams, also known as Mike Williams. So, Buckle up for this one, and let's get right on into it today. Mike Williams was born on October 16th, 1969 in Bradfordville, which is located just a little north of Tallahassee, Florida. He grew up with an older brother named Nick, and his father was a Greyhound bus driver while his mother, Cheryl, was a daycare provider. Now, growing up wasn't super easy for Mike. His whole family lived in a trailer, and both Mike and his brother had to get jobs working nights at a supermarket to help pave their way through high school. They both attended North Florida Christian High School, and Mike did great in school. He was the poster child. He was student council president, he played football, and was active in multiple different clubs. And in the ninth grade in high school is when he met a young girl named Denise Merrill, who was also a cheerleader. And the two of them immediately started dating and became high school sweethearts. It literally was your cliche from a movie, football player, cheerleader, and it was a done deal for them both. Now, after graduating from high school, Mike went on to attend Florida State University, where he majored in political science and urban planning. He then got a job as a property appraiser, and in 1994, him and Denise got married. Now, something about Mike is everyone who knew him said that he was the hardest working person that they had ever met. He would go to work in the morning, he would come home to his family, have dinner with them, and then would continue working after dinner and continue working even after his wife went to bed as well. And Mike was making pretty good money. By the time of his disappearance, Mike was making about $200,000 a year. And because of that, Mike and Denise ended up buying a home together, and shortly after that, in 1999, the two of them had a daughter, and Mike was absolutely in love with his daughter. He loved his daughter more than anything. Unfortunately, a year after Mike's daughter was born, his father actually ended up passing away and after some conversation, Mike and Denise decided to take out a $1 million life insurance policy on Mike. They both came to the agreement that they wanted Denise to be settled. If anything were to ever happen to Mike, she would be taken care of. And they ended up getting this life insurance policy through a childhood friend of Denise's, as well as Mike's best friend, a man named Brian Winchester. So Denise was the one who knew Brian originally, and then over time, Mike and Brian just became best friends. So they thought that this was the perfect person to go through to make this life insurance policy happen. So for all things considered, Mike and Denise seemingly had a perfect life. They were even talking about having another child together and were also planning multiple vacations for the future as well. Now, something to also know about Mike is that he loved duck hunting. It was a huge hobby and passion of his that he picked up when he was about 15 years old and something he did really, really frequently. And he was planning on going duck hunting on the morning of December 16th of the year 2000. December 16th was a Saturday, and Mike woke up extremely early and left his house to go dunk hunting at Lake Seminole. Lake Seminole is an extremely large reservoir that's 50 miles west of Tallahassee, and this was a lake that Mike had visited many, many times before. This was his typical spot to go hunting, and on this particular day was also Mike and Denise's 6th wedding anniversary, and they were planning on spending the night in a bed and breakfast at a town nearby. So the plan was that Mike was going to go duck hunting, and then he was going to go back home, and Mike and Denise were going to get their things together and go to this bed and breakfast. However, when 12 o'clock rolled around and Mike still hadn't come home from hunting, Denise got worried, and she ended up calling her father to tell him Mike was not home yet. Once Denise's father got that phone call, Denise's father ended up calling Brian's father, Mike's best friend's father, and the two of them drove down to the lake themselves. When they got to the lake is when they found Mike's 1994 Ford Bronco near a remote boat launch located in Jackson County. Now seeing Mike's car, but no sign of Mike anywhere was obviously not a good sign. They went to the lake and looked there and didn't see him there either. So that's when the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission was called. And the reason that they were called was because Mike was being reported to them as a missing boater on the lake. Now, unfortunately, the search had to be called off on the day that Mike went missing because there was a storm coming through and authorities couldn't look for him in those conditions. However, the following day they began searching again and that is when they discovered Mike's boat. Inside of Mike's boat, they discovered his shotgun, which was still inside of its case, as well as some decoys and other equipment for his hunting. However, Mike was nowhere to be found. And this is when the search really began. Searchers initially focused on 10 acres of the lake surrounding where Mike's truck had been parked. And in the beginning of this search, authorities were very confident that they were going to find Mike because they have said that anyone who has ever gone missing on this lake, anyone who has ever fallen overboard, any accident that has ever happened on this lake, that person has always been found. So even though at this point they weren't sure which condition they were going to find Mike in, they were very very confident that they were going to be able to find him. Now, at first, authorities thought it was a very good possibility that Mike could have drowned. The lake that Mike was at was known to have stumps in it that protruded above the water level. So they thought it was possible that Mike's boat could have hit a stump, which caused him to lose balance and fall out of the boat and ultimately drowned. Now, if Mike were to have drowned, then his body would eventually float to the surface since drowning victims typically resurface within three to seven days of their accident. However, after that time period came and passed and Mike still did not show, authorities started to rethink. This is when a new theory came into the picture, and that was that Mike got eaten by an alligator. Now, alligators were known to be in that lake, so if Mike did fall overboard after hitting a stump, is it possible he could have gotten attacked? Now, the answer to this question is yes. However, the fact that there is absolutely no sign of Mike whatsoever is troubling. Alligators do not eat humans whole. They will tear off limbs, an arm, or a leg. However, there is going to be some sort of remains from the attack left over, whether that's clothes, a bone, something. However, there was nothing when it came to Mike. Now that was until about two weeks into the investigation when a fisherman actually spotted a pair of hunting waders, which essentially is waterproof overalls with boots attached to them. It's a very common garment that hunters will wear. And this fisherman found a pair of waders. Now, when it was brought to the authorities, they looked through it and found no indication that they belonged to Mike or any remains that would have indicated an alligator attack. And along with that, the waders were in perfectly fine condition. And if there was some sort of animal attack, they would have been shredded. And just one other thing to debunk this alligator theory, the temperatures of the water were extremely, extremely cold. We're talking December. And alligators are not prone to attack or feed during the cold temperatures. So the likelihood that Mike was eaten by an alligator was slim to none. So now fast forward six months after Mike's disappearance. Six months after Mike went missing, there was a dive team who went into the lake to search. And this time they found more items. They actually recovered Mike's vest, as well as his hunting license and a flashlight of his. Now, you would think with finding these items that Mike more than likely drowned. His items are in the lake, therefore he must've drowned. However, it was the condition that these items were found in that led authorities to question otherwise. First of all, Mike's hunting license was still completely legible. And if it had been underwater for six months, it more than likely would not even exist anymore, let alone be legible. And along with that, the flashlight that was found also worked. So there's no way that after six months of a flashlight being underwater, that it will continue to work. So instead of these items leading authorities to think that Mike had drowned, they really just led them to believe that these items had been planted to make it appear that Mike had drowned in the lake. Okay, we're gonna take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you apartments.com the place to find a place
0: hey have you ever used cheapo air for years and i really like it with cheapo air you can book online use their app or even over the phone they've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations they're my go-to for travel planning
1: Now, let's talk about Denise for a moment here and where she falls into all of this. Now, friends and family of Denise say that she was absolutely heartbroken when Mike went missing. However, she didn't want much media attention on the case and wanted to stay out of the spotlight. Something that's very, very weird here is that in the state of Florida, a person has to be missing for five years before they can legally be declared dead. However, just six months after Mike went missing, Denise moved forward and asked the state to issue his death certificate. Only six months afterwards. That's it. Mike's mother, Cheryl, said that she was absolutely shocked when she heard that Denise was trying to get a death certificate, and another weird thing here is that Denise did not want this to become a criminal investigation whatsoever. Mike's mother was the one who was trying to push this case forward to get a criminal investigator involved, and Denise actually threatened Mike's mother and told her that if she continued to do that, and if this did become a criminal investigation, that she would lose access to to her granddaughter. So essentially, Denise was threatening Mike's mother, saying that if this became a criminal investigation, that Cheryl, Mike's mom, could no longer see her granddaughter. It also came out at this time that there was actually a second life insurance policy on Mike. This was a $1.5 million life insurance policy on top of the first one that was already a million dollars. And no one knows whether or not Mike was even made aware of this second life insurance policy. To make matters worse, Denise actually was successful in getting that death certificate to become official. And when she did is when another bomb dropped on this case. It was at this time that it became known that Denise and Mike's best friend, Brian, were having an affair. And this affair began prior to Mike going missing. And several years after Mike's disappearance, the two of them actually ended up getting married. Denise and Brian got married married so denise went from living in a house with her husband mike and their daughter to having her husband vanish and marry his best friend and still live in the same house that she lived in with mike now brian also had a first wife her name is kathy however he divorced her before marrying denise how did this even happen is what you might be asking yourself right now well according to brian on october 13th 1997 denise Mike, Brian's ex-wife Kathy, and Brian himself all went to a concert together. Now, while they were at this concert, Mike and Kathy were parking their separate cars, and Denise and Brian ended up getting out of the car and waited for them. And this is when they had their first kiss. Now, you might think that this is extremely random, but in all reality, apparently, according to Brian, Brian and Denise did have some sort of a little fling in high school, and those feelings for each other never died. After they had their first kiss, they went along with the night at the concert, and then when they got home, they called each other, they talked on the phone all night, and they ended up having phone sex. And from there, their relationship continued to progress. The two of them would get together while Mike was at work, they took trips together, and Brian even would follow Denise and Mike on trips that they went on as a couple, and Denise would sneak off to be with Brian. Now, Denise and Brian's marriage lasted until about 2012 when the two of them decided to separate. However, they didn't get formally divorced until 2015. And Denise was the one who filed for divorce from Brian due to his alleged sex addiction. But Brian was not okay with this whatsoever. He did not want to get a divorce and he felt extremely betrayed by Denise. And he tried to do anything that he could to get her back. And this included in August of 2016, when Denise was leaving her job from Florida State University and she got into her car. And when she got into her car, Brian surprised her as he had been waiting in the back seat of her car for her. When Denise got into the car, Brian took her phone away and put a gun to her and started yelling directions at her. And he justified all of this by saying that Denise was ignoring his texts and phone calls. However, instead of following the instructions that Brian was giving her, Denise ended up pulling in to a CVS parking lot. And that's when Brian told her that he was going to use the gun to kill himself and that he didn't want a divorce and he would do anything that it took to not get one. Now, surprisingly enough, Denise was actually able to calm Brian down, and the two of them had a conversation. And Denise actually just drove Brian back to his car that was parked at a nearby park. And Brian got out of his car, got into his truck, and pulled up next to Denise's car. And once he did, he apologized for what he had just done and asked her not to go to the police, which Denise promised that she wouldn't. However, right when Brian drove that is exactly where Denise first went. Brian was arrested on charges of kidnapping, domestic assault, and armed burglary. He was held without bond and on December, 2017, Brian was sentenced to 20 years for the kidnapping and is currently imprisoned at the Wakulla Correctional Institution. Now, during the sentencing, there was no talk about Mike's case or Mike's disappearance. And there was a reason for that. And that reason was because behind the scenes, there was an agreement that Brian had made with the prosecutors in exchange for Brian not to get a life sentence on the kidnapping charge. Now, what exactly did Brian have to do on his end of the deal to not get a life sentence? Well, the details of that have never been disclosed, although we do have some sort of an idea. What we do know is that the very next day after that, there was a news conference where the Florida Department of Law Enforcement announced that Mike Williams' body had been found. Mike's remains were discovered at the dead end of Gardner Road located in Northern Leon County. This was only five miles away from where Mike had grown up and they confirmed it was Mike through DNA testing and matching his DNA to his mother's. The body was found on October 18th, 2017 after a team of search dogs found his remains in piles of dirt. 98% of Mike's bones were recovered as well as some of the clothing that he was wearing. Now, let's talk about why Mike's body was ever found to begin with. Now, while initially we weren't sure why or how Mike's body was found, however, there was clearly an obvious connection between Brian's sentencing and then the very next day, Mike's body being discovered. And what we know now is that connection was actually a confession. Brian confessed to investigators about what happened to Mike on the day that he went missing. He said, quote, I went and met Mike at a gas station. I followed him to the lake, we launched the boat. It was just like a hunting trip was going to be. End quote. He continued to tell authorities how this was all a plan that him and Denise came up with and how him and Denise crafted this plan to get rid of Mike that way the two of them could be together and get the life insurance policy money. Then on May 8th, 2018, Denise Williams was arrested and charged of first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, and accessory after the fact. She was 48 years old at the time of her arrest, and at this point, Mike had been gone for over 18 years. Now, Denise pleaded not guilty to all of the charges against her. However, it was when the trial began on September 24th, 2018, Brian took the stand to testify, and everything came to light. According to Brian, he says that after about a year and a half into the affair is when him and Denise started talking about getting rid of each other's spouses. They started talking about ideas of how they could do it, and one idea they had was staging a boating accident where both of their spouses would drown and they would be the only two left to survive. However, it got to a point where Brian realized that he didn't wanna kill the mother of his children because that would be crossing the line, but killing Mike was completely fine and the way that they justified it might just blow your mind. Now Brian and Denise decided that Brian was going to go hunting with Mike on the boat and that Brian would push Mike overboard and make it look like a boating accident because no one else was going to know that Brian was with Mike if he met up with him at the gas station right before he went. They thought that once Brian pushed Mike out of the boat, it was up to Mike whether or not he decided to live or die at that point. Brian said, quote, we thought if God wants this to happen, then it's going to happen because it was going to be an accident that he could get out of, end quote. Basically saying that once Brian pushed Mike out of the boat, it's up to God whether or not Mike lives or dies. And if God wants Mike to die, then Mike was going to die. However, according to Brian, he said that he lured Mike onto the lake and convinced him to put on his waders. That way, when he did fall into the water, it would be harder for him to successfully get out of it because the weight of the waders would hold Mike down. Now, once Brian saw his opportunity, Brian said he pushed Mike out of the boat, and when Mike came up to the surface, he grabbed on to a tree stump and was extremely panicked and confused, as you can imagine. This is when Brian said I didn't know how to get out of that situation, so I loaded my gun and made one or two circles around, and I got closer to him, and he was in the water as I passed by, and I shot him in the head." After he murdered Mike, he then had to pull Mike's body out of the water and get it into the back of his car. He drove with Mike's body in his car back to Tallahassee, trying to figure out where he was going to dispose of Mike's body, which is when he settled on Carr Lake located in Northern Leon County. The lake was dry at the time and Brian dug a hole at the edge of the lake bed and placed Mike's body into it. After he disposed of the body is when he got a phone call from his dad about Mike never coming home from hunting. Because remember, Denise called her father who then called Brian's father. And Brian had met his dad back at Lake Seminole where he had just murdered Mike and pretended to help his dad search for him. Now, Brian's ex-wife, Kathy, also testified in this, and she actually started working with the police before the trial began. And she was on a recorded phone call with Denise. Kathy knew that the phone call was being recorded and Denise did not, basically telling Denise that she knew what she had done to Mike. And each time she brought it up to Denise, Denise would change the subject until ultimately, Denise stopped and asked, what do you know? Brian said in his testimony that part of the reason that he kidnapped Denise was because he was worried if they got a divorce, then Denise would start talking about what had happened to Mike and Brian would go away for it forever. He said he was worried that Denise would make him take the entire fall for what the two of them had come up with. And Brian was very clear in his testimony that this was not something that just Denise wanted or just Brian wanted. It was something that the two of them came up with together together. As twisted and convoluted and disgusting as this entire plan was, Brian was extremely honest in his testimony in stating that Denise was as equal of a part of this as Brian was. However, Brian was just the one to pull the trigger. Now, after the trial was all said and done, the jury deliberated for eight hours before they convicted Denise on all charges. And in February, 2019, Denise was sentenced to life in prison. However, In January 2020, Denise actually appealed her conviction and her attorney argued that there is no evidence that she was involved in the murder. So after appealing the case in November 2020, her first degree murder charge was actually reversed, which is wild. However, she still had the conspiracy to commit murder charge that held a 30-year sentence against her, and she's currently serving that time at the Florida Women's Reception Center. Now, personally, I think that there's no world that exists where Denise was not a part of this. She knew exactly what she was doing, in my opinion, and I think she manipulated Brian into murdering her husband. She took out the life insurance policies very quickly. She got the death certificate after only six months of her husband being missing, and she stayed out of the media. She masked it all very, very well, and along with that, she actually threatened her mother-in-law by telling her that if she was to get this to be a criminal investigation, if she was to get her husband's case as a criminal investigation, that Mike's mom would never be allowed to see her granddaughter again. To me, that is all sorts of strange and does not make any sense. If your husband goes missing and you genuinely did not do anything about it, wouldn't you want to do everything possible? to find him or to find the answers. Wouldn't you want this to be a criminal investigation? You would want all hands on deck, all resources that are available. And the fact that she was threatening the people that were trying to get these resources is very, very, very bizarre. Now, one person who never ever gave up on Mike or finding the answers to what really happened is Mike's mom, Cheryl Williams. Cheryl from the interviews that I have seen has to be the sweetest woman on the face of the planet and she fought for her son through and through. And ultimately it was mother's intuition because she knew from the second that Mike went missing that something more sinister was involved here and she did not stop until she figured out what exactly had happened. And that my friends is the case of Mike Williams. So please let me know what you think about it. This one to me was a crazy one to research. As you can tell, it's extremely twisted and I would love to hear your thoughts about it. Do you believe that Denise was fully in the know the entire time? Do you believe there's a possibility she didn't know? Let me know what you think. You can email me at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. And you can email your case requests there as well. Or you can DM me on Instagram. That's just at killerinstinctpodcast. Again, it's just at killerinstinctpodcast. And you can let me know your thoughts, case requests, all that there as well well. And that's going to be all for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. Like I said, if you're new here, hi, my name's Savannah. I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly here every single Wednesday and you are not going to want to miss it. I will be back next week with a brand new case for you guys. And until then, stay safe.